Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Paddock Pass podcast. Today's show will be focusing on the Yamaha movie star launch that took place in Barcelona at the start of this week. I am Neil Morrison from Crash.net and Road Racing World, and you can find me at tw- on Twitter at neilmorrison87. And with me today is... Uh, David Emmett of Moto Matters, and you can find me on Twitter at Moto Matters. Okay, so before we get started, we hope you're following the show firstly on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash paddockpasspodcast. And also Twitter at paddockpasspod. And if you happen to listen to us on iTunes, please be sure to leave us a review and a rating. It greatly helps other MotoGP fans find the show. Okay, so I'm still in Barcelona. Uh, David, you've managed to make your way back to the Netherlands. I have, to Uh, a very cold Netherlands. Okay. Uh, we managed in between um, filling our faces with tapas and <laughs> nice wine, uh, we managed to catch the, the launch, the first MotoGP launch, team launch of 2016. Um, and it was interesting for several reasons. It was the first time that Valentino Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo have been seen together since the, uh, the showdown in Valencia at the close of 2015. Um, what were your impressions of of the, what happened on Monday? Uh, well, it was. I mean, it's, uh, it was very strange in part just because uh, you know it's the first um, um, it's the first show of the or it's the first launch of the year. It's the first time everyone is back together again. It's a little bit, but like uh, the first day at school again because you're talking to a bunch of people you haven't seen for ages. Um, but it's just not the same. It doesn't have the same sort of energy. Uh, as a race weekend, uh, which is often where the first launch uh, uh, is uh, held, I seem to remember the a couple of years ago they had an introduction with uh, with Yamaha at the Sepang Test, which was much more uh, which was much more like it. But uh, it was just very odd. And the um, well, a number of things struck me. First of all, the scale of Yamaha's racing program this year, which is pretty good, um, but. Uh, just the it was a very odd and stilted uh, strained atmosphere I think in the uh, uh, for the Movistar Yamaha thing for the MotoGP uh, introduction it just felt very very strange yes indeed you're talking about uh, about that strange feeling uh, that atmosphere um, Lynn Jarvis boss of the uh, of the factory Yamaha squad said that there's not going to be a wall uh, between built between the two riders uh, in the garage like it was back in 2008, I think. Yeah. Um, he said they're going to try and treat it exactly as the way they did uh, in 2015. Um, but you rather felt that, you know, last year in 2015 at the Movie Star launch, uh, Jorge and Valentino appeared on stage. I think they maybe even, they were standing next to each other when the bikes were uh, presented to the audience. Uh, this year they kind of entered from... Different uh, different sides of the uh, of the auditorium. Uh, there was kind of a tension in the air, and it kind of begs the question how they will be able to to react to one another. Yeah, uh, exa- throughout the year. E- exactly. They also what was interesting was there was almost always somewhere someone in between them, and it was usually Gavin Emmett um, uh, who was uh, hosting the event as he so often does. Um, but yeah, it really felt uh, it, it really felt very uh, it really felt awkward, and um, yeah. Yeah, the riders the riders didn't really didn't really see themselves either. 
Yeah, exactly. I think one of the notable things, one of the things that I was looking forward to um, was the last time we had seen Rossi was at the end of the Valencia test in 2015, where he admitted that he had been struggling for motivation in those two days um, after the, you know, the intense kind of pressure that he, exer- he you know, he exerted throughout the the close of the title fight. Um, I was particularly keen to see whether he had recovered that, you know, um, Magic, that, that magic, exactly that that sparkle in his eye, you know that devilish, impish uh, grin that he has, and I kind of found that it was it was lacking. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he. I don't think he's going to be lacking motivation, but the motivation felt like something very, very different. It felt much more like, um, uh, you know, gritting your teeth determination it was more just the you know the, the fires of anger which were driving him rather than um uh you know the joy of racing which makes you wonder how uh what this season is going to be like for him because you know racing he, he races because he really loves racing exactly yeah yeah and turning to jorge he was almost uh, in some ways the the forgotten man of the presentation uh, <laughs> the, the reigning world champion um he i think said that he was Operating at around fifty percent of his uh, of his current physical potential, um, did he say anything or or do anything that uh, made an impression on you? Um, uh, apart from um, being or expressing his annoyance at the fact that uh, it, you know he's being drawn into this by you know Rossi fans and Marquez fans and lots of other people, um, he, he had absolutely no part of it. He was out there racing and just you know doing whatever he could to win. The one thing that he did apologise for was for the old thumbs down gesture on, uh, on the podium at Sepang, which was uh, uh, a trifle um, unnecessary, shall we say. But uh, uh, apart from that, no, I mean, he, it, it, to be perfectly honest, he looked fairly relaxed. He actually looked fairly, uh, he looked in fairly good shape. He, he still looks in better shape. Uh, he might say that he's, you know, 50% of his, uh, of his training. Um, but he still looks in better shape than he looked at Sepang at the beginning of 2013. He was definitely, you know, looking fairly trim. Uh, not not Sepang 2015 trim, where he, you know, was absolutely at his fighting weight. But um, uh, I don't think there's going to be any. I don't think that there's any uh, doubts that he's going to be in shape for the start of the season. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, there was an article on, I think it was in AS, uh, the Spanish Sports Daily, earlier in the week. Maybe it was Marco, I'm not sure. And it was talking of how Jorge had taken, uh, taken his personal trainer on holiday uh, to Mexico at the, the close of last year. Um, and basically from now until the first race at Qatar, um, that's the, you know, the three tests and also the, the time in between, Jorge's trainer is going to be with him pretty much all of that time just to ensure that he's eating exactly what he needs to eat he's doing exactly what he needs to do in terms of physical preparation to to ensure that he he arrives at Qatar uh, for the first race in 100% fitness yeah I, I think that's something which uh, uh, which Yamaha actually started last year because last year um, uh, he spent a lot of time with his trainer um, but also uh, Yamaha were monitoring his progress very closely he uh, uh, Wilco Zielenberg went down to Andorra to go skiing with him I think he spent uh, 
three, four days down there skiing, uh, cross country skiing, you know, checking out that he's doing, you know, just getting a good look at him and making sure he's not being a naughty boy and uh, and, and <laughs> getting on putting putting in the work which 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 uh, uh, which was needed and that paid off. That really uh, it really paid off because he ended up uh, he ended up as world champion. Sure. Motorbike racers being naughty boys, surely not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, I wasn't exactly expecting um, Valentino and Jorge to be cuddling and kissing on the stage and taking selfies with each other, uh, but there was a there was a certain sense of deja vu um, with some of the debriefs. Rossi, eventually, when he started speaking in Italian, uh, returned to you know talking about um mark and everything that happened at the end of last year and and jorge was there having to having to defend his his on and off track record you know claiming that he was the guy with the most wins last year his on track behavior had been impeccable etc etc so it seems that um if we thought that this this was over, it certainly isn't. No, no. I mean, really. Uh, I think I think we were, and I think also sort of, if you like, in the we in the in the international English speaking press, it's uh, you sort of it passes you by a little bit. But when you go to uh, when you read the Spanish and the and especially the Italian press, then you get a real sense that it's still very much alive. And it was uh, as soon as the languages switched to, to uh, Italian for the debriefs, then uh, it, yeah, Rossi totally lit up. I mean, uh, not just Rossi, but the, the Italian press. I think the first, certainly the first five or six questions were all about, you know, Mark and all the rest of it and um, nothing was about what do you expect next week it, it was all about or, you know the, what do you expect in the coming year it was all about what do you expect when you see Mark do you still are you still angry at him um, all the rest of it so it was just uh, uh, it, it clearly it, it, it's it's a really big thing yeah and some of the highlights of, of what Rossi said in Italian I think are worth pointing out he said that um Perhaps Valentino was Mark's scapegoat for his troubles throughout 2015. Maybe that's one of the reasons that he, quote-unquote, turned on him. Uh, he also said that perhaps it can be considered an honour that uh, the Spaniards had to pull together to beat me. Um, and he also said that he believes that Mark had decided long before Sepang that he didn't want Valentino to win the title. So Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, it was it was just... He went completely all out, and but the the one thing that he said, which I found interesting, and which sort of highlights this, is that um, um, he said that it's when he was asked about you know looking back at his uh, last year, how did his season go? He says, well, actually, you know, it was a really really good season, and it was it was a fantastic season for Rossi. It was his best season for years. It's just that it all that has all now got a little bit lost in the in in the the controversy, but. Uh, this controversy is just not going to go away and it's going to um i think it's going to get really ugly especially once we start racing again and uh, i don't think Dorna's going to do anything to try and uh, uh, sort of suppress it because it's fantastic uh, sales but uh, uh, i think yamaha can have are really going to have their work cut out yeah sure sure uh, you discovered some news um, just before we started recording this podcast about uh, marquez and uh, his merchandise yeah yeah well what's happened is that um, uh, mark marquez has um, uh, basically broken the contracts open that he had with uh, with the vr46 
Essex Merchandising Company, which is Rossi's, uh, you know, T-shirts and caps uh, uh, company. Uh, the, the R46 had been doing uh, doing it for them. Uh, there was it, 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 it was originally reported uh, just after Sepang that uh, Rossi had uh, wanted to separate from Marquez, um, but I made some inquiries about that, and I was told at the time that uh, that story was completely invented. Uh, but now it's like uh, it looks like it's Marquez wanting to split from Rossi. Uh, I spoke to someone involved with the uh, uh, with, with the whole situation, and they said basically, you know, Marquez has Marquez has completely lost any trust he had in Rossi, any sense, uh, any, any any faith in the relationship. He. He really doesn't feel uh, certain he can actually trust doing business with them. So it's going to be uh, very interesting. Uh, and it wasn't just the uh, it wasn't just the merchandise. It was also the which I think also speaks because everyone speaks about Valentino Rossi's uh, uh, being a little bit petulant about uh, uh, about the situation. But Mark Marcus is obviously being just as bad because he's also uh, not going to be renting a room from the uh, one of the GP rooms, which are the little hotels they put up in the paddock uh, from the Nieto family because the Nieto family had been um, uh, uh, had basically taken Valentino's side during the uh, during the whole uh, uh, during the whole affair so it's uh, it's it's uh, well it's basically he's stealing each other's sweets in the play- playground time <laughs> goody goody eh yeah, yeah exactly we have all this to look forward to yes again. yeah yes, yeah, yes. yeah yeah exactly yeah so basically um, since the last time Yamaha tested at Valencia uh, Honda Aprilia Ducati uh, did a three-day test in Hareth. Suzuki did a two-day test, I think, in Sepang yeah. before Christmas. Um, With only Maverick Vinales because Alessia Spargaro had uh, suffered an injury. I can't remember whether it was a wrist or a, or a, or a, a foot a ver- or something. A vertebrae. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that. There yeah. You go. So in some ways, um, you know, with, with so many technical changes um, upon us this year, um, you feel that Yamaha will perhaps be be maybe lagging behind in development um, at the moment. Um, so in terms of in terms of where they are technically, uh, do you think they're in a good place from what Riders and, and Lynn Jarvis, Suji San said? Yeah, I mean, certainly listening to uh, Suji, who's head of their MotoGP program, I found that the most interesting because uh, he was saying, you know, they you sure they they have a lot of work to do. They're going to be very busy at at Sepang. I think also the Sepang test. It's going to be difficult to actually draw any conclusions from that, precisely because um, uh, everyone are bringing some uh, lots and lots of updates, and they're all still trying to find the right balance with the uh, uh, weight distribution for the Michelin tires, and also to uh, figure out the the electronics, which are. Uh, you know, very, very different for, um, uh, uh, very different for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think it was obvious, really, to everyone that the Yamaha was the best bike in the field in 2015. Yeah. Um, Jorge said at one point that there's not going to be too many changes to the chassis or to the engine um, yeah, for the new year. Ad- it's, it's, it's basically just going to be about adapting to the, the tires and the electronics. Well, exactly. And I think, it, it, personally, I think that's more of a, it's more of an advantage than a disadvantage for them because they have less to change. They have a really they have a basis which they know is 
is fantastic. And I really do think that the 2015 M1 was possibly the best racing motorcycle ever built. Um, it, it, it did everything brilliantly. Um, and even its weak points, like top speed, were not... Uh, Debilitating. No, no, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they were a little bit down on top speed. They weren't getting completely creamed. Um, yeah. uh, they they could stay with uh, they could stay with the Ducatis. They could stay with the Hondas. Where in past in years past, uh, you know, Hondas and Ducatis would just motor past on the on the straight, and they'd never see him again. Yeah, but as we saw at Valencia, they got out of the corners so well yeah. that often that was that was kind of redundant in the end. Yeah, y- yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, the 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 interesting thing to me about that, and I think Tsuji San also uh, mentioned this, is that um, uh, a lot of that grip is, uh, or part of that grip is down to the electronics. Um, they the Yamaha also had the best the 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 the, the best sorted electronics package and now everyone is switching over to the uh, uh, to the to, to the spec software and so they really are going to uh, have to get that sorted to uh, you know to make that work uh, yeah. uh, and I saw a report on GP1 that um, Yamaha have put um, um, Colin Edwards to work trying mm-hmm. to sort the, uh, the the electronics out which is you know a really really smart uh, yeah. a, a really smart move because all they're doing is they want someone out there on the uh, uh, putting in laps saying how well it's sorted how the bike feels and all the rest of it he doesn't have to go very fast on it yeah um, in Valencia at the, at the test Bradley Smith was talking about using the 2015 electronics for the first time um, there he was saying that throughout the year he had looked at, at Jorge and Valentino's data through corners coming out of corners entering corners wondering how the hell they could do these things and he said as soon as he tried the new bike uh, the 2015 bike with the electronics it all became very clear to him just how just how they were doing that the, you know the, the jump up and everything was was so high yeah yeah exactly and but it, i mean the the, the mr wasn't just good in terms of electronics it also had great mechanical grip i mean you know just the design of the chassis the way that it's built the weight distribution already gave it a huge uh, uh, quite a big advantage and then having the electronics on top of that it just made it a fantastic bike yeah from Valentino's comments he didn't seem to be overly concerned uh, in the electronics change he said that the Michelin was more of a worry for him um, guessing just judging and the people that Yamaha have working for them uh, also with Edwards coming on board as well um, kind of honing the electronic setup um, I'm assuming that he probably has good reason to feel quite confident in that department oh yeah yes absolutely I think uh, yeah again the bike was actually quite easy to ride as it was anyway and and, and that has always been uh, the, the, the focal point for Yamaha has always been to make a bike which is easy to ride um, and then uh, allow the riders to figure out you know the, the the, the last sort of 1%, which is the difference between coming 10th and coming 1st. Um, uh, so the, the, the bike itself is the bike itself is already very good, uh, as I said. So, yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, you don't need to be worried about the... Uh, you don't need to be so worried about the about the electronics because the engine, the char- the, the engine character, engine throttle response is good enough. It's more about getting the getting the tires to work, and the the tires are going to be a uh, are going to be a big deal. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think Jorge said at one point that that with the new electronics, you'll be losing using less throttle uh, in corners. Um, 
it'll therefore be suited to riders who have more sensitive throttle control. And you would have to say that both Jorge and Valentino have that. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, basically the top four are all going... Uh, the, the reason that the top four are the top four is because they simply have the best throttle control uh, of everyone. Because even... Uh, I always get slightly annoyed when people say about, you know, modern MotoGP races, all they do is whack the throttle and, uh, and let the electronics sort it out. That's a really good way to go really slow. Uh, you the the if you can sort of surf what you're trying to do is like surf the edge of the the, the limit of the electronics so you want to get to the point just around where the electronics cuts in and try and uh, try and trick it into giving you a little bit more um uh, so yeah it's always been much more about throttle skill than a lot of people than a lot of people say but if you can actually be even more precise and even more uh, uh yeah I'm not even sure the right word, the word that I'm looking for, but if you can really, if you can really be much more precise in your control and, and sort of you know play with the throttle a little bit, uh, then you should get out of the corner, uh, corner even even better. Yeah, absolutely. One of the one of the most interesting things I thought from Monday was um, I asked Jorge whether you know where he would, where he would basically be finding his motivation from after you know such a trying year in 2015 which obviously took such a, a huge toll yeah. uh, physically and mentally um, and he said that basically he looked at um, at the fact that in 2013 when Marquez you know went to the went all the way to the title in his first year and how people at that point were saying that you know a, a kind of a doing era of dominance was upon us um, he said that he was finding his motivation and confidence from from beating Marquez so convincingly last year uh, not from beating Valentino which is maybe a little pointed uh, pointed <laughs> shot at, uh, at his teammate you know who's, who's been saying all these uh, all these things that he's been saying yeah um, you could never you could ever pass up a chance to insult your teammate <laughs> exactly yeah but but Jorge also said that um, that you know throughout his career um, they've, they've always been able to adapt that to different situations, and I think you you look at um, you look at 2015, uh, where he would be so strong every single Friday, even if the bike wasn't working at its best, he was still able to ride around a certain element of problems. Um, and, and you would have to say that that's going to hold him in very good stead this year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the 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 biggest question, of course, is who who's going to get on best with the. Um uh, with the Michelins, but we won't really know that. I think until perhaps even after the Qatar test, the first the first couple of races, where once once you actually see people racing it, because there's there's still so much work to do. Uh, Yamaha were playing around. They had the uh, the the fuel tank uh, or the the bikes on show were the bikes with the fuel tank uh, at the, uh, under the seat. Although it's not completely under the seat, basically they've just got the filler cap under the seat and a little bit of the uh, a, a little bit of the of the fuel moved towards uh, moved towards the rear. Um, but again, probably the bikes they're going to race are probably in Japan rather than uh, rather than the ones that are on show. They're, those are probably just a couple of bikes they had uh, uh, the test bikes which they had in their in their showrooms. Um, yeah. uh, and the thinker behind the thinker behind that is to move maybe more of the weight to the rear of the machine to suit the the kind of characteristics of of the Michelin tyres well, yeah the, the, this is it Valentino I think it was Valentino said something about um, uh, they were um, they'd basically gone back and looked at the data from the uh, Michelin's in 2008 when, when in, in actual fact Jorge was on the uh, when Lorenzo was on the uh, uh, on the Michelin's um, looked at their data again checked it again to see how it works um, to see if there was anything useful in uh, that they could actually use for uh, 
for the 2016 Michelins, uh, as he said, the DNA of the tire hasn't changed, but the you know so so still it, it still has a sort of a similar character, even though the performance and the way it works has changed uh, has changed quite a lot. Uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that works, and I, I think that we won't see the real any real uh, changes. Well, well or the, the the final the final and definitive part of the bike until until the end of the. Uh, well until maybe even halfway through the year mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so just in, in other news away from Yamaha it uh, it came to light in the last few days that maybe Aprilia are, are behind schedule are frantically trying to play catch up with uh, their 2016 bike um, there's reason to believe that they won't have it in Sepang um, and the Waxi might not be attending the the second of the of the three preseason tests in Phillip Island, and they're instead going to be uh, conducting a private test in Qatar um, before the the final official test. And in that final official test, which is just two weeks before the first round of the yeah. year, they'll be debu- debuting the, the the 2016 machine in public. Um, looking back at Bartista's comments from the test in Jerez at the close of 2015. Maybe we could see there that uh, that Aprilia were already running behind schedule. Um, Alvaro said at that point that um, he hadn't seen, he'd only seen pictures of the bike on a kind of design piece of software on a computer. There was no physical evidence of it. Um, and he seemed just a little bit concerned. He was kind of trying to make light of it at the time. He was joking about yeah. it and things. But um, it appears that, uh, you know, um, both Bradle and Bautista will have just a, a private check down and then a three-day test in Qatar to combine a 2016 bike, which is radically, well, quite different from the 2015 machine. Smaller, lighter, hopefully with more power. Uh, the tires, the new electronics, and that's going to be quite a lot of, of, of different things that they, they need to get used to um, before the first race. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I think when we were in Valencia, we went and made inquiries about uh, uh, about the new bike, and what we were told then was that uh, it would be uh, basically uh, around about now, uh, they would be giving it a shakedown, they would be giving his first shakedown um, uh, somewhere privately, um, uh, presumably somewhere in Italy. Uh, but Aragon, I think it's going to be in Aragon. Well, it, yeah, yes, it, it, it is now, um, as you <laughs> as you wrote in your story. But uh, uh, before it was supposed to be, it was supposed to be, you know, the, basically the, the the bike should have been finished and they should have been giving it. Uh, it, it should be going out there already. But now, uh, as you wrote, it looks like there's going to be a um, uh, there's going to be a private test on uh, at. at, at Aragon, but um, to be frank, I'm not surprised that they are a little bit uh, behind because it is a completely different, uh, completely it's it, it's a real prototype. Whereas the the, the bike they've been using so far is um, uh, they've just been modifying the what was the RSV4 uh, further and further. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and you know at uh, at Jerez, I think you looked at uh, Ducati. Um, they were obviously making quite good strides with their electronics and the riders were able just to solely focus on on the Michelin tyres 
Um, with Aprilia, they weren't even trying the, the 2016 electronics because, you know, they really got themselves tied up in a lot of knots at Valencia. I think Bautista had two crashes and you just got the impression that they weren't really adapting to the to the new regulations that well. No, well, the thing is they've got so much on their plate, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're building a brand new bike. Um, uh, how much time do you actually spend in trying to get the, uh, the new electronics working with your old engine when the new engine is going to be coming along I think there is certainly uh, as far as I was as far as I understand the engine angle it, it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a 90 degree V as far as I as f- from what I've heard uh, but it won't be the what is it the 60 I think it's a 65 degree um, uh, angle between the uh, uh, for the for the RSV4 I, f- I forget the precise number um, so it'll be a little bit wider than that uh, uh, so again getting that and it's going to be much lighter it's going kind to of, the, 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 the engine's going to feel a lot different. Uh, actually, put, spending time to get it working with that would not—it's uh, not necessarily the best. Uh, the best resources. They're building a new bike. They've got to sort out the the, the Michelins. Uh, and to be frank, I think for the first part, uh, they're really going to be quite a long way behind for the first part of 2000, uh, 2016. Yeah, I suppose one of the positives is they have uh, two more than capable test riders that they can call upon. Uh, Mike Demelli was obviously doing some of the groundwork or will be doing some of the groundwork at the start of February and then obviously San Lowe's will be standing in to, to test the bike throughout the year. Um, at the close of last year, I think he was saying, I remember him saying that uh, he, there were no plans initially to, to have him on the bike um, at, you know, in the first third of 2016. He has obviously his Moto2 championship to, to, to focus on. Yeah. Um, but th- there is an option there if they need extra manpower. Um, they have a, a man at their disposal. Yeah, but I, I think it makes more sense for him to actually uh, come in in the second half of the year once the, the, the worst, because there's no point in, if, you've, if you have a rider who is going to be competing for a championship, there's no point in uh, wasting his time I'm uh, crashing because of, yeah. of you know s- silly bugs which haven't been worked out in the bike yet of uh, you know um, d- design errors and that sort of thing. That's uh, that's very much the sort of thing which uh, which poor old Mike Demelio is supposed to uh, <laughs> is, is supposed to do. I mean it's it's all very well being a factory um, uh, uh, a factory test rider, but there's a there's a downside to it as well. You're the one who's supposed to go out and break his uh, break himself when when <laughs> when the bike doesn't work properly. <laughs> Exactly, yeah, for sure. And speaking of uh, breaking one's self, uh, <laughs> there has been a, a young Australian uh, by the name of Jack Miller who has done exactly that. Um, his participation in the first test at Sepang is uh, is under some some dodge at the moment. Uh, well, yeah, that's well, th- th- that's according to the team press release. Uh, when I uh, uh, tweeted that on, uh, uh, or when I my story turned up on Twitter, then Jack Miller immediately uh, replied and um, uh, implied that uh, I didn't know what I was talking about, uh, <laughs> which wouldn't be the first time. But never mind. Do you? Do you know? <laughs> uh, do, does anyone? Does anyone? Um, uh, so we shall. Yeah, we shall. We shall have to see whether he's at Sepang or not. I mean, obviously he's going to want to go to uh, uh, go to Sepang but you I don't think because as uh, uh, again there was a story uh, there was a story on crash about um, um, who was going to get the uh, which of the satellite riders which what kind of an engine the satellite riders are going to be getting I made some inquiries uh, nobody knows yet the Honda teams the satellite Honda teams haven't been told whether they're going to get the 2015 or the 2016 engine um, what uh, 
what Miller and uh, Cal Crutchlow and Tito Rabat will be doing is just going out and you know getting used to the electronics and the um, uh, and the Michelins. But but they it certainly won't be the 2016 bike they'll be testing. So yeah, if Miller does miss the test, he does miss something. But it's not a, it's not a, it's not a huge loss to him, I don't think. Mm. There is a potential that they'll be testing the 2016 chassis, although again, that's that's totally unconfirmed. Um, yeah, except so it's all but, a bit of a mystery. Th- that's right. But the biggest problem for the, for, for Honda has been their engine. Uh, mm. the, the the engine is, uh, I mean, the the new engine which was brought to Valencia and Jerez was still far far too aggressive. Uh, they're still struggling to get a handle on the electronics and getting the electronics working properly. Um, there's just there's so many Honda are facing so many problems that I, I think. Uh, having a new chassis will be nice but it's not going to make that much difference to the way the bike feels yeah yeah but what a, what an opening really with um, with Yamaha so consumed by the championship battle at the close of 2015 and not really having the time to focus on 2016 yeah. with Honda having their issues and Aprilia having theirs what, a, what an opportunity and an opening for Suzuki and Ducati yeah, I- uh, to, to, to make you know, good strides at the start of this year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to seeing how the uh, to seeing the Suzuki. Um, um, obviously, Vinales tested the seamless uh, the seamless gearbox in uh, in Sepang in November. Uh, and the electronics for the first yeah, time. Yeah, and think, the electronics yeah. as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how much better that bike is. Um, and yeah, Ducati. Um, I think all eyes are definitely going to be on uh, on Ducati. Hmm, for sure, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah. Just speaking of which, the uh, Pramac bikes. I mean, Pramac also had its uh, had its launch for the which now working together with Yak Niche Racing, who were previously in um, uh, in World, World Supersport. Super yeah, in World Supersport. I am not entirely clear what their role is, uh, but the bikes look fantastic. I can certainly say that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And two two fantastic riders, two guys that I really. Imagine we'll spur each other on this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think Scott Redding will be fantastic for Petrucci, and I think vice versa. Petrucci will be a very, very, very strong candidate to have on the other side of the garage for Scott Redding. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. I think uh, uh, I, I think Scott has got something to prove. Um, he has, you know, he was he asked for a factory Honda so he could go out and prove himself. He was given a factory Honda and found out that the factory Honda is actually bloody horrible. Um, uh, now he's back on the Ducati. He was really quick in Jerez, I think, because uh, he, mm-hmm. he was really happy in Jerez as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was the fastest man there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, he he was happy with the electronics, uh, with the atmosphere within the team. He still had some doubts um, on the Michelin front, but you know everyone has uh, up until now. Um, but yeah, he had that. You know, he had that swagger back that you know was lacking so often um, throughout 2015. Yeah, exactly. And Petrucci had a good year last year, uh, but this has to be a break- Excellent year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this has to be a breakthrough year for him. It has to be a breakthrough year for uh, uh, for Reading. So, you know, two riders who really need results and are really going to push, that's going to be, it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah, exactly. And of course, um, Lorenzo's ex, ex-team manager, ex-crew chief as well, perhaps. Yeah, uh, Daniele Romagnoli. Ro- Romagnoli yeah. is, is, you know, tinkling his bike and, and what a guy to have yeah. uh, at the controls, um, you know, in this time where a lot will be dependent on on engineers and how they interpret it, interpret uh, the new software. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, 
On Monday, David and I were, were kind enough to, to bring our recording equipment to the Yamaha lunch, and we recorded uh, the debriefs of uh, Valentino Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo in English, we must add. So some of the quotes that we said um, earlier in the show may have been in Italian, um, but we're going to play those, those debriefs for you now. So first of all, uh, this is Valentino Rossi taking questions from the crowd. Valentino, uh, uh, um, you answered this question uh, before, but I'd like a little bit more detail about how did you go through getting over the disappointment of 2015 and, and focusing on 2016? Um, at, at the beginning, uh, was uh, the, the first period after after the race in Valencia was uh, was quite difficult. Uh, the, the, the most difficult, uh, I think, the first uh, the first two weeks uh, after go back uh, home was, uh, was the most difficult moment. Come come si dice delusione? The disappointment the disappointment was uh, very big, very deep. But uh, nothing special. Stay at home, just uh, relax and uh, wait that this feeling uh, go go away. But uh, for my winter was uh, was very important uh, the rally of Monza because uh, I stayed weeks uh, at home. But after I have to restart uh, for another for another race, and in that moment was uh, what what I need, no? Just uh, drive or ride and uh, and enjoy. And uh, sincerely, the, that weekend was uh, was the in that week weekend finish more or less the the disappointment for 2015 and. Uh, Start to think to the to the future. Question in English. So Valentino, why did you decide not to pursue your judicial request on the on the task? Uh, because uh, so we try we try our uh, our objective uh, naturally was uh, try to don't start last in Valencia. This is the only thing that uh, was important for me. For the rest, uh, wh when uh, this uh, this possibility was uh, delayed, after is uh, is uh, is not important. Continue for me to take uh, one point less, or uh, so uh, they say to us, not no for Valencia. And at that moment, I don't have any interest to continue. Valentino, we. At the Valencia test, you tested with the new fuel tank, which goes into the seat. And I believe you're going to test with that and a, 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 a normal fuel tank at Sepang, according to Suji. So, I mean, why do you think that maybe that isn't the way to go? Allora, uh, the, the, the situation is that uh, uh, Yamaha built the, the, the new bike, uh, the new tank and the new bike for... Uh, try to understand the way to use Michelin with, uh, with the data that we had uh, from 2008. So moving the, the weight distribution for, for the Michelin tire. Uh, but uh, they don't know, like us. Uh, so it was uh, just uh, one, one idea, you know? And uh, now for, for the first test in Sepang, uh, will be very, very important to decide the way. If uh, that one is the right way, the 2006 prototype, 2016 prototype, or uh, if in reality is better than our uh, current bike. Uh, Palatino, 
you said earlier that um, to prepare for this season, um, your preparations have been a little different from last year and maybe the year before that. Can you tell us a little bit specifically how your preparation has changed or yeah. is different? We, we always try to, to make the, nor the normal things uh, at the gym and uh, you know the normal preparation, a lot of cardio also for the first test because it will be very hot in, in Malaysia. Uh, but uh, you know, the target is uh, to arrive uh, uh, ready for the first race, uh, not, not now, so it's, uh, we have a bit of time. And uh, apart from the normal, the normal uh, training, uh, we, we try always to use motorcycle. Uh, try to always to do some some different things uh, for for improve the, the skills, uh, for improve the, the control in the bike, the slide, and uh, is looks like we try always to, to improve a little bit all, all the small uh, the small details. But for the rest, is the same. Valentino, <laughs> uh, the obviously with the switch of tires. Um, it means that you'll be riding a little bit uh, differently. Have you also adapted the, the training at the ranch, the dirt track training, uh, a different approach to try to cope with the Michelin tires or is it, is it too early to, to, to do that? No, what, what we try to do with the bike is uh, something more general. Uh, so the, the, the riding style with the, with the Michelin is, is, uh, will be different compared to, to, to Bridgestone, uh, but uh, it's very difficult to f make something uh, uh, special for that. Uh, the best, the best training is uh, go on the M1 with the Michelin, and uh, because it's, it's the, it's very difficult to recreate the same condition with another bike. Okay, in English. Um, at the beginning, uh, you, I mean, all of you, uh, complained a lot of the, about the new electronics, but now it seems, at least in Yamaha, uh, you are more worried about how would you adapt to the new uh, tires, not to the electronic, but it seems you would understand quite good how it uh, would work. Is that okay? Yes, for me, uh, it's normal that uh, all the riders uh, uh, Complain, but complain is not the right uh, the right word about the electronic because ev everybody know that uh, the new the new electronic is uh, uh, a little bit worse compared to, to our our normal one. I think that uh, uh, the the Yamaha engineers uh, in the last years uh, work uh, uh, very hard for improve the acceleration of the bike, and in fact uh, uh, our electronic system work very well. So when when uh, you restart with the other uh, ECU, is uh, at the beginning the, the first impression is a little bit uh, worried, no? Because uh, is uh, is uh, is different and and uh, and uh, a bit worse. But uh, for me, it's not a big uh, a big problem. I mean, uh, everybody are on the same uh, on the same level, uh, and uh, I think that our engineers are uh, are strong enough to to improve uh, the, the, the to adapt the new system to the bike. Uh, but uh, we are a bit more worried about the tires, yes. Uh, under that point of view, is a more the, the question mark is bigger because it depends very much uh, uh, how the, the new tire uh, match with the different uh, bikes. So this is uh, this is important to understand for uh, for understand the level of uh, of this year. Um, Valentino. Um, since you last tested in Valencia, uh, Honda, Aprilia, and Ducati, 
tested in Hareth and Suzuki, I think, tested in Malaysia. Um, do you think that because of this, Yamaha is already at a little bit of a disadvantage because you've had less track time with the electronics and with the times? Um, last year, 2015, uh, Yamaha have, have uh, a problem compared to the other manufacturers. That uh, the, the two bikes, the two riders fighting for the championship, you know? Uh, I have to say that it is a good problem. I mean, uh, all, all, uh, all the manufacturers uh, uh, are happy to have this type of problem, but for sure uh, we, we are a little bit in delay because uh, Suzuki, Ducati, especially Honda, go to test also in Misano during the season with the, with the Michelin, and they make uh, a good step for the setting. In that moment, uh, we still uh, test with the Bridgestone because we need to, to give the maximum to the, to, the end, uh, to the last part of the season. So I think that we are a little bit in delay, like you said, uh, for, uh, for the kilometers. And uh, for, for the test in Sepang, we were not, uh, not ready, and also we need, we need a little bit of rest after a championship like this. Uh, so we need to be more concentrated and, uh, and, uh, and faster to, to understand the, the balance of the bike during uh, this, uh, this test. So our work will start uh, uh, officially on the 1st of uh, February. Here. Uh, in very simple words, uh, with the new tires, will it be more delicate and difficult the first part of the turn or the second part? See uh, that you have a lot of grip behind and... Uh, the, 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 the first impression is the second part, because uh, a lot of riders crash uh, when uh, you are on the maximum lean and, and you touch the throttle and, and the front lift, the rear lift the, the, the front, because it looks like the rear have, have a good grip. Uh, but also the entry. Uh, for me, this year uh, will be very different compared to the last two or three years, uh, especially because uh, with, with the mission, if you make a mistake, uh, you pay. Usually with the Bridgestone also, if you did a mistake, you just lose a little bit of time, but not, uh, not more. So I think that this year, uh, this uh, will be a big uh, difference. You need to be concentrated and precise on the ride. Valentino, uh, looking at uh, all of all of your rivals, who do you think is going to adapt to the Michelin's best? Who do you think, uh, who, whose riding style do you think will suit the Michelin's best? For me, also, also the the. Allora, first of all, I want to say that for me, the, the most difficult guy to beat are always uh, Lorenzo, Marquez, and Pedrosa. But I think that with these uh, new rules, new ECU. Uh, I think also the other, the other guys from the satellite team and also, for example, the, the Suzuki and the other uh, smaller team, they can uh, come closer. So maybe the, the fight will be not uh, just uh, um, our uh, four, but uh, maybe have also more, uh, more riders. So, Ale, uh, I don't know if you have spent any time thinking about what happened in the in the last year in Malaysia and uh, in Valencia. Uh, looking, looking back, uh, what is the main lesson that uh, you have from, from the past? Allora, looking back, what about the main lesson? Yes, the, the main lesson that uh, you have. Lesson? Yeah. <laughs> and after Valentino took uh, questions from the crowd, it was then Jorge's turn. This is what he had to say. 
I'll get the obvious question out of the way first. Um, obviously, the end of last season had quite a special taste to it. And you know, we had a situation at, at, at Valencia where three guys, three Spaniards on top of the podium and a lot of booing and everything. How long do you think it will take for MotoGP to recover the normal taste? Do you think this, well, bitter, this I, business is going to carry on I, for I think us? it should, should be a normal taste, you know. We, uh, we enjoy uh, of an uh, unbelievable show during this year, I think. Uh, was one of the most intense races in, in, all, the, in all the history, and uh, one of the most intense championships in, in all the history. Uh, I always try uh, to achieve the best performance in all the races. I have any collision with any, any rider, and uh, the only thing that regret and I, I, I ask for for sorry was what the gesture I, I did in, in the podium in, in Malaysia that I think was uh, was not the right image that I should do and I should uh, keep keep to myself my, my opinion and don't demonstrate it. But apart from it, I didn't have any any collision, any problem with any rider. So the thing should be completely the same as one year ago. Uh, apart from from uh, that the popularity of the sport I think has grown up. Uh, Unfortunately, for a not not always positive way, but I think our our sport after this unbelievable championship uh, should be should be more important. I think. Uh, Jorge, over here. Um, uh, you said um, that you had a lot of um, you had a lot of sponsor things to do because you won the world championship. So you spent a month and a half. Uh, uh, traveling and appearing and all the rest of it. Um, the big difference for me between 2014 and 2015, the beginning of 2014 you weren't in great physical shape, but the beginning of 2015 you were in fantastic physical shape. Uh, are you worried about your physical condition at the start of the season and what kind of shape are you in now? Well, the problem in 2014 has not been only one problem, but also a combination of problems, uh, not only about myself, but also about the, the performance of the bike that was not the same as we had uh, from the middle of 2014, that was much better, much more complex bike. So the bike was not not working at uh, his best, and also obviously I had some some problem of my, fit, of my fitness that was, uh, um, because my my delay on training, but also because I had two or three operations, uh, I changed trainer, so everything was more complicated to be focused and to be ready for Qatar race. That I was leading it till till I crashed, no? Anyway, but for sure I will not make the same mistake. Uh, I learned from it, and uh, now apart from that we start probably a little bit later than the rest of the riders, I think we have time enough and I have the right trainer and the right idea how to arrive into Qatar in the best shape. Uh, Jorge, um, about the, the changes for next year, obviously your style, what you are strongest at is, is, is corner speed and being able to keep amazing uh, angles and, and, and be very, very smooth. Uh, changing tyres and also changing electronics, is that going to make things more difficult for you and also more difficult for you compared to other riders or, or how do you see it? 
Well, I, I think uh, now to write the Bible is, is going to be more difficult. So this will help, I think, for the more technical writers, and that will 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 have less less help uh, with electronic because now the the percentage uh, of throttle that you keep in the in the full in the full full open is less than before, and it's less per percentage per corner. So for sure, you have to play more with the throttle, and the more technical and more sensitive rider is going to be. Uh, or we will have less problem than the, the more the, the more aggressive or less less technical riders. Uh, of course, I think till uh, we'll, uh, we will adapt into the new tires, especially the front, we will have a little bit more crashes than, than last year. Uh, so yeah, it, it's the, the change is the, the, the change is very big for two sides, for the electronic and the tires, and it's very interesting. To see in Malaysia, to see in Australia, how is going to be the performance not only of the riders but also the bikes, no? the riders in terms of adaptation to the new new things and the, and how the factories improve their bikes from Valencia to Tesla. Jorge, you obviously won championships before and you finished second in the past before. Um, is it easier to find motivation after you have lost the championship or? Well, we have to keep in mind that uh, in the last, from 2010, uh, I was the only rider able to, to beat uh, the, the Ondas. In 2012, I beat Casey. Uh, in 2015, I beat Market. In the last six, six years, uh, we, we were able to do it. So it was not, was not easy. Especially when Mark came into MotoGP, it uh, was like he was going to win five, six years in a row, but uh, we were able to, to beat him. So this uh, gave me a lot of um, uh, motivation, I'm very proud, and gave me the, the confidence that we can do it. No? We can do it uh, with Yamaha, and I can do it as a, as a rider. So if we, if we did it in 2015, why? We cannot make it in 2016 or 2017. Uh, Jorge, the, uh, obviously the way that the season ended last year, uh, it left uh, for some fans and also for, the, for uh, shall we say, a certain section of the media, uh, uh, a bitter taste in the mouth about the way that it finished. Uh, does that, do you find that frustrating because you worked very, very hard to actually achieve the championship? That, that do you, are you still frustrated by the fact that you're not being recognised for, for what you achieved? Not for my side, and I, I think not for the expert uh, view, because uh, the people who really know about motorbikes and really see all the championships, not, not only the races, but also the, the Friday practice, the Saturday practice, uh, and also the, the, the races see not only the statistics but see how everyone rides this year on the track. No? Um, the thing is that happened happened this thing in in, in Sepan, uh, with, with Market and Rossi. I was not involved, never on the track, so it's not my it's not my game. It's a thing that they have to, to solve all together. I always try to do my best. And the statistics uh, speak for for themselves. No? You know, the, the one with more victories, uh, the second with with more pole positions, 
more laps leading, uh, lot of podiums. I, I, I don't, I don't have to demonstrate anything to anyone. No? I think uh, I, I've been the, the fastest one and the one who, who deserved more the world title. Finally, for, for some circumstances or conditions, some, sometimes some bad luck, I lose a lot of points and this didn't help to arrive to Valencia with some points of advantage that will uh, help me a lot to be more, more quiet and to win the championship with more advantage. No? You know, finally, the important thing is that we, we won the, the world title and, and this is uh, the, the thing that we'll, we'll remember and will stay on the books. I know it's still very early, uh, we're only in January, um, but at the end of last season, the testing, it appeared that Honda was struggling quite a lot with electronics. Ducati seemed to be coping better than, than the other manufacturers. Um, do you think that guys like Ian and Vizios or Redding will be closer this year? Will they maybe even be winning races? I don't really believe in, in these things, firstly because we've been all together just in Valencia just after the, the last race uh, and the ondas were very competitive there uh, actually they, they, they finished first and second it looks like they have some problems but also we are going to have some problems uh, maybe in, in, in Malaysia when we try again the, the, the new electronic I think the new electronic is going to be very difficult that very soon we arrive into the level that we have with the old one so for sure, everyone is going to be a little bit slower. Uh, for example, Suzuki seems to be very, very strong. In Valencia, they, were, they went very strong. And the Ducati, we couldn't see the official team uh, lap times or, or information. So we don't know if it's just the, the satellite. And theoretically, the, the official team should be faster. So I mean, if we, if we finish the Malaysia test, the Malaysia test and the Australia test, we, we will not know really the performance of all the bikes, of all the, all the rides. So I'm very curious, very excited to, to ride uh, as soon as possible. Jorge, um, you talked about some of the circumstances which uh, made this difficult for you last year. One of them was uh, problems with your helmet. Now you switched helmets, uh, manufacturers with Shark this year. Uh, it, was that a factor in your decision to change? Yeah, it was a, a real pity no, to, to finish my, our collaboration with AGC because the factory is huge. They are uh, the number one, number one sellers over the world and they always treat me very well. And I have a lot of... Uh, uh, the, 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 the home family has been always very kind with me and, and, and George and everyone. No? But, you know, when you are in the top and you want to, to be world champion, you, you, you cannot miss any point. You cannot have any problem, uh, especially on the rain, that the visibility is, is very important and you, you, you cannot lose any point. Unfortunately, it happened something, mostly the, the, the helmet was, was right, but in some particular race, race I, I, I got some problem and I cannot lose any point, so that's why I decided having three years of contract with the possibility to to, to separate ways in uh, in all these three years. To, I decided to, to to separate our our ways, and I am very thankful with them. But 
I cannot, uh, unfortunately, I cannot uh, have the patience for them to improve in the aspect that they, they fail. Last question, Jorge, sorry. One more. Um, uh, as I, I asked this before to, I think, uh, to, to Lynn about the fact that all of the contracts and um, all of the top riders and a lot of the satellite riders, everyone's contract ends uh, in the middle of, at the end of this year, 2016. So there will be a lot of talk, especially in the middle of the season, about um, who is going to be riding where and all the rest of it. Um, is that going to be a distraction for you when you could be in fight, or when you hope to be uh, involved in you know, the battle for the title once again? Um, how will you be able to maintain your focus? Well, do, you, do you have a, an idea? Uh, is there going to be something important for you to make Well, my, my, my experience in the last two years uh, demonstrated me that if I, if I know my future, if I, if I know what is going to happen in my future, I can write it uh, probably a little bit better. Uh, it's not a thing that I have in mind consciously, but it's a consciously thing that uh, affects sometimes, or can affect a, a, a little bit my writing. But uh, to be honest, I, I, I'm not in a, in a hurry, you know? I can wait, I can, I can uh, wait some, some races, I can wait into the middle of the, into the, middle of the year. Because I believe in my possibilities, I believe in my writing, I believe in my, in my performance. Uh, but obviously, if you know what is going to happen in your future before the first race, this gives you a little bit more, more quietness, to, not only to me, but to all the riders. So uh, I repeat, I don't have hurry, but uh, we'll see if, I, if we can have my future uh, ready, uh, if it's possible, before, before the season. Also at uh, the Yamaha presentation, there was there was also the Tech Three riders, Paulus Bargaro and Bradley Smith. And I spoke to Bradley Smith about his preparations for 2016 and his plans for the season afterwards. So I'm here with Bradley Smith. Uh, we just had the Yamaha presentation. You were up on stage with with the entire Yamaha team, a big a big team. What have you been doing? over the winter to try and prepare yourself for 2016? So I've pretty much done everything that I wanted to do during 2000 and uh, you know 15-16 winter break um, you know I had a 10, 10 day break um, away from training and away from everything because uh, I can kind of sympathize with Jorge Lorenzo when he said that a few years ago he went away and you know perhaps didn't train as hard as he should have during the winter but you know because physically you know he was uh, he was tired and I can understand that because uh, you know, certainly felt that I put a lot of effort into this season, and I needed that break away from uh, from training and away from racing. Um, you know, I uh, did a trip to Thailand uh, for Yamaha, which is you know a nice thing to be involved in. You know, I feel that this season, you know, I've earned my spot inside the Yamaha, and they're bringing me you know a little bit more inside of the Yamaha family, which has been nice. Um, so did some uh, press work over there. Had a great Christmas with my family. Uh, we actually went um, and skied over New Year. I taught my cousins how to ski and my uncle and uh, my auntie wasn't quite as adventurous.
interest, but I can understand why. And then, yeah, here we are, you know, really to, you know, ready to start the the season. Um, you know, quite quite exciting to see, as you said, all of the the different programs that Yamaha are involved in, all the success that they've had, you know, in the in the season. And uh, you know, certainly looks like they're prepared and ready, you know, for for 2016. Uh, one of the big changes for me was your approach in 2016. Obviously, perhaps even having the injury, breaking your leg at the beginning of 2015, uh, meant that you had to work to Pang One a lot more methodically. Uh, but also, your uh, approach in the garage changed. Um, what are you going to be changing for 2016? Is there anything that you that is on your list that you think you need to change to make another step forward? I think that there's always things that I need to try and improve, um, but first and foremost, I need to get a little bit more laps and time under under my belt and actually see what these new electronics and these new tyres are, are going to give us. Um, you know, tyres, I already believe that I have a good understanding of what we need to do with the, the bike setup. Um, I'm really pleased with my my test in Valencia. You know, one of the main things that I was proud of is, is not crashing. And I know that sounds, you know, maybe, you know, laughable or silly, but it means that I had a good understanding about where the limit was and where the tyres were my lap time the best lap time perhaps wasn't you know where it needed to be but also it was at five o'clock at night and on the hard tyre as well so um, you know that was one of the big things that I took is you know you need to understand these tyres you need to understand these products in Valencia uh, in Malaysia sorry we'll be trying the new electronics so that would be a first time to actually see what these new things are I think my my way of going about racing, like you said, methodically, will pay dividends. You know, going into 2016, I think that the rider is going to have a more important role than it's perhaps had in previous years, where they're going to really have to work, you know, closely with their electronics guys to give them a clear indication of what they need and, uh, you know. Um, what's going to be you know helpful um, because i think these systems are supposed to be a little bit more basic um, and you're not going to be able to refine as many things as you can so it's going to be important to still find those improvements but from a more simple system so you need to be even more nitpicky um, you know and look for those you know 0.1 percenters um, especially in the race trim because i think that the michelin's providing good grip over one lap but uh, you know certainly over race trim we need to make sure that we're ready so um, i'm quite happy with uh, with the progress that i made in 15 and i think that you know like i said it's only going to help me going into this new season have you spoken to anyone any of the any of the riders who have tried the electronics about how they feel or do you have any preconceptions about the about how the electronics are going to feel one thing i try and do as much as possible is not have any preconceived ideas um, you know just kind of go and see what your hands your butt and your feet feel um, and then go from there because you can either be put in a false sense of security where someone says it's great or you can be you know scared to death because someone says that it's really bad and you know even if you read you know Valentino's press release compared to Jorge's um, two completely different reactions on the on the electronics riding exactly the same bike and the same thing so um, I try and have yeah like I said not too many preconceived ideas I believe that when we turn up in Sepang it's going to be more refined than anything that anyone's ever ridden in Valencia because of uh, you know development and you know more understanding from the Yamaha engineers so 
I really have to turn up on them February the 1st and go with what I feel. Do you think it's going to actually make the racing any closer? Do you think, I mean, what, what difference do you think it's going to have? Jorge was talking about uh, uh, it being a, an advantage for the more technical riders, riders who have that little bit more subtlety in throttle control because you're going to have to you work the throttle a little bit more, balance the throttle a little bit more, and you can't rely on the electronics to sort of step in and, and smooth things out for you. I think that it's going to be a difficult one to call um, because obviously I don't have any information to, to go off of. Um, but, you know, uh, I still go off of the fact that I have, you know, one ele electronics engineer between two riders yeah. and Valentino and Jorge, and I don't know about the other manufacturers, but I know Valentino and Jorge have at least two for one. Uh, you know, that's, you know, 4% more or four times you know more manpower than what i have inside my garage and that makes a difference you know uh, especially when it comes down to electronics and how important they are inside the championship so i think that we can still take advantage in the first four to five races um you know i i do believe that we we can but as soon as development starts to come we start to come back into europe the manufacturers are able to bring new parts to the racetrack uh we start testing again like from Haref, uh we start doing monday tests I think the gaps will grow uh, once again and potentially be bigger than what we've seen in the past. Right, so it, it'll be closer at the start of the season, but maybe, uh, but, but, but um, bigger gaps towards the end of the season. Once that, yeah, once, yeah. Because if someone runs with the ball and you know yeah. they figured something out, then all the other manufacturers will chase. And when they're chasing, they're not, uh, you know, they're making new products for their number one riders, um, not their their satellite teams. Yeah. So I think that you know by the end of the season we'll see quite a big gap in the races. Uh, talk about the Michelin tires for a little bit because you, uh, I mean, you said you were proud of the fact that you didn't crash. Uh, you, well, I'd be proud too, uh, but that would be for a completely different reason because I'd be crashing at about uh, even doing a, a five minute lap round there. Um, you, you were proud you, you didn't crash um, because you, you felt it had a, a better understanding of the tyre. How, how different is, is the tyre, are the tyres? So the best way to describe it, in my opinion, is a platform. Um, the the tyres from last year, you know, had a an extremely big platform, and that platform was exactly the same from the centre of the tyre to right to the edge. You felt that same feedback from the front. You felt the same contact patch. You felt the same security all the way from braking all the way till you know 60 degree lean angle, whatever the number was that we were getting to uh, this last season. Um, with the Michelin's, it seems to have a different feeling you don't have that same um, support um, that same uh, contact patch continuity from the center of the tire all the way to the edge so there's certain areas that you have to be careful of and uh, the good thing is is those certain areas are the same in every corner uh, so you do learn um, where about when you say certain areas do you mean uh, the edge of the tire or, or, or the no, transition? it's kind of in that transition between straight and getting to your knee uh, right. you know that's what I feel because once we get to our knee inside a motor GP bike more or less you can manage the situation if you've got yourself in the right balance in terms of where your knee is where your elbow is um, you know if anything happens at that point you can usually manage the situation it's usually that that transition period between you know straight up and and dropping it in on your inside your knee um, and even within that window it's more specific but I can't tell you exactly the the, <laughs> the number and lean angle and brake pressure and things like that but you know there certainly is a, an area there that you know is an area for concern um, or at least an area for um, you know 
to show respect to um, in terms of you know that ultimate performance but you know even looking at the lap times and looking what everybody's doing you know we're still very competitive to what we were doing last year so it's just a different feeling that will you know slowly adapt during the next nine days before we start round one to the normal feeling that we feel and I believe the performance will increase even more uh, uh, the Will you have to change your riding style because I mean, like the the the, the Bridgestones, it, it was a fantastic front and the and a bit of an iffy rear, and now you've got an outstanding rear and a, a, a less than 100% sort of front. Um, does that mean do do you change your approach? Do you are you thinking about how, how you're going to be riding differently, or is it something they can solve with setup? <sighs> so from what I feel and what I understand from the motorcycle. I believe that my my riding style wasn't quite built for the Bridgestone. You know, I slowly adapted more and more and more. But um, you know, when you look at Jorge, he was number one for the Bridgestone. You know, it's what I I truly truly believe. Um, whereas with the the Michelin, it's a slightly different riding style. It goes more towards my my type of riding style. It's kind of a two-step riding style, if that makes sense. By two-step, I mean that when you enter, you do two chunk or two takes before you go in. So you kind of go from your your center to a point yeah and then at the last moment then then drop it in whereas Jorge went from center to knee you know in a split second um, you know when I feel that that two-step um, will become a little bit more apparent um, going into 2016 and I think that the riders that can figure that out you know especially the likes of Danny Pedrosa um, you know and even Mark to a certain extent um, they will they will shine in in those areas is there also, a, I mean, did you ever race on 17-inch tyres and is there a difference between the 17-inch and the 16.5-inch? Does that explain the difference in the platform or...? Uh? To be honest, no, I don't believe that it does. Um, I think that it's a lot more internal um, and a lot more tyre tire construction and idea and concepts and how how the bike works to get the, the right amount of grip and how the tyre deforms to get the right amount of grip. You know, Bridgestone have a different DNA as, uh, as with... with Michelin so you know it's completely different um, 17s though I don't believe that there's a big difference you know getting on the bike I didn't go wow I feel higher or lower or this or that you know I it did feel like like normal um, I believe that I run 17s in Suzuka uh, I can't I can't uh, confirm 100% on that one but uh, also I didn't feel a big difference there either so it, it's not that right um, in the middle of the uh, in the middle of next year you're going to have uh, or in the middle of the, the, the coming season we're going to have the rider the contracts merry the merry-go-round <laughs> that's right um, do you have a particular goal by the for the middle of the season where you what you want to be doing is that are you even thinking about it is it going to be a distraction and how are you going to handle it a lot of questions there yes. but uh, the best way to simplify that is I have two goals one is to get myself on a factory contract and uh, two is to have three options um, ride good enough to secure the best possible options that I can and uh, you know right now the two manufacturers that you know is obviously on top of everybody's list is uh, is Yamaha um, you know followed by Honda um, but also bearing in mind that you know I'm a realist I'm not stupid and uh, you know also I have to have a look you know at uh, you know probably more uh, Ducati and Suzuki as realistic options um, for myself um, but also not you know turning a blind eye to KTM coming inside of 
of the, the championship. Um, knowing that manufacturer's background and what they've done in the past, um, I don't believe that they're going to, to build a, a bad bad motorcycle. Everything that they've done, they've taken on the likes of Yamaha and Honda and, and beat them most of the times, you know, or even 90% of the time. So, um, you know, I just need to, to try and secure myself on, on one of those. I'm going to be 26 years old at the end of this year. Um, this is really my last chance, I believe, of a factory contract um, because although I haven't been around for that long, um, by the end of the, the next round of factory contracts, I'm going to be 28. And I haven't heard of many, you know, 28-year-olds picking up their first factory contract. So now's the time to, to tango, um, put in a good, you know, beginning of this season and uh, have, yeah, like I said, three factory options for me to decide, you know, by uh, midway through this year. Right. One last question. Uh, you had a motocross race uh, earlier, and you 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 uh, basically you started as a motocross rider, and you um, uh, you were telling me a, a while ago that you, you used to race motocross in Holland all the time. Yeah. Getting back on a motocross bike, did you did it make you miss motorbikes? Did you, did you regret your career switch? No, not at all. <laughs> um, it was brutal, I have to admit, but uh, I loved every minute of it. It was, uh, the, the races were 20 minutes plus two laps, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. We were we were racing a combined category, so, uh, you know, Mark Marquez was there in the MX2 class. I was in the MX1 with her. Uh, Jose uh, Martinez, his actual PA that's helping him this yep. this year. So uh, I end up finishing second to, to Jose, which I wasn't too embarrassed about. Seems as he's ex Spanish champion. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I think current Catalan champion as well. So I'll take that one. Um, but I did whole shot two out of three races, and uh, it certainly was a, a nice thing for me to be able to do um, leading up to Christmas. You know, uh, kind of got that end of season blues out of the way, um, and got you know got me. Free through the whimpering of missing Super Prestigio this year. <laughs> What's more physically demanding, MotoGP or motocross? Oh, it's very much different, you know, in its, its own particular way. But um, riding, I believe riding 40 minutes of motocross, you know, physically is, is more demanding um, than riding the, the 40 minutes of, of MotoGP. I think that's also why we see the motocross races only being 30 minutes plus two, plus two or yeah. 35. You know, it's shortened down. There used to be 40, 40 plus but um, I don't think you know it's possible to ride at you know that level for that long whereas side of MotoGP we can ride you know a flat-out race for that amount of time so um, each to their own because also I don't believe that we could do necessarily two races of, uh, of, of MotoGP like you know yeah exactly those two 40 42 minute races you know I think would be you know very strenuous but the human body can adapt to anything and as with anything we can train to, to do that type of thing right now we train to be ready for one race um, but also we practice Friday Saturday Sunday you know so it's also a three-day build-up and that accumulation has its own factors but I still give motocross as uh, the full credit that they deserve and uh, I believe that you know that's still the most physical sport but I don't also believe that they could do 42 minutes even at their fitness level on a on motor GP bike so uh, yeah it's sports um, you know individual sports you know create their own fitness for their for their riders okay thanks very much bradley thank you cheers thanks for that and very sorry uh, that I've no, no problem. okay so that's everything from 
this episode of the Paddock Pass podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, I'd like to thank David for taking time out of his busy schedule. Uh, David, what, what's next up for you? Uh, next up is the Sepang Test, which I'm really, really looking forward to. And obviously we'll uh, uh, find some way to have a uh, podcast for that. You're not going to Sepang yourself. You're going to the uh, Phillip Island Test, I think. Yes, I'm going to Phillip Island and Qatar. Uh, so so we shall have uh, we shall have exclusive content, I imagine, from from all three tests, which will be which will be excellent. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Okay, fantastic. So thank you, David, and thank you, listener, for listening to this edition of the Panic Pass podcast. If you enjoy the show and listen to it through iTunes, please remember to leave us a rating and a review. It greatly helps other MotoGP enthusiasts find the show. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash paddockpasspodcast and Twitter at paddockpasspod. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. You don't press start. <laughs> oh, well. All oh, right, sorry. Yeah. Start again. All right, first of all, um, uh, right, so I'm here with Bradley Smith. Are we, are we definitely working now? Are we definitely working? Look, look, watch okay, the numbers, watch working, the numbers. It's the second time today. I did the same with fucking uh, Rossi. I put the, put the thing up on stage and then yeah. forgot to, because it goes, it sort of flashes here. Ah, okay, no worries. So I'm That's a fucking fine. dick. That's fine. Anyway. That's fine. So we should go over a little bit of the same ground, okay, but I'll try not no to do problem. it because it's... I know it's boring. Yes, for you no problem. Bring. No problem. Um, uh, let's see.